Hello, and welcome to Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and I'm joined by my co-host, the Libra icon, Dwayne. What's going on, Dwayne? Not much. Um, looks like we are now in the purgatory between between uh, football and the end of the NHL and NBA season. But we got the World Cup, so we're good. There's the MLB. There's all MLB All-Star Game. There's some <sighs> things in there. See, being a Mets fan, my season's over, so I'm looking ahead. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> know the score can be found on CSPN. You can find us on the web at www.cspn.us. You can also find Know the Score on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher Radio. You can also find the show account on Twitter at KTS Pod. You can follow Dwayne on Twitter at The Libra Icon, and you can follow me on Twitter at Don DeLorente. So we'll get into some NFL news first, as we had Julian Edelman reportedly will miss the first four games of the season after testing positive for PEDs. Edelman is currently appealing the suspension. Um, this is a big breaking story because, of course, he's coming off the ACL surgery, uh, trying to get back to the uh, Patriots to help them, you know, win the, another championship. And also, it also he's one of the guys who. Uh, you know, trains with uh, Tom Brady's trainer, like personally, and doesn't work out with the team trainers. So, you know, th- that story came out last year. There's a big kind of rift between the guys who work out with the team versus the guys who work out with Brady's trainer. So your thoughts, uh, Dwayne, on just this news coming down and what the future holds for Edelman is really hard to get these uh, PED suspensions overturned. Yeah, it's very difficult, but what's going to happen uh, for the Patriots is, Who's going to just be in the? Who's going to plug in that role for Edelman? It's going to be um, Brandon Cooks. Is going to be somebody else? Um, oh yeah, or, or if Brandon Cooks is even there anymore. Um, but the whole thing is that with these suspensions for the performance-enhancing drugs, it's not an easy thing, like we alluded to, and and. They're just going to have to deal with this suspension. Uh, I don't know if he was taking them to try to get back on the field or during the rehab or if it was just something that was on the band list. But, you know, the game is the game. And this is what happens when, you know, you violate the rules. So I don't see anything changing from it. Um you know, but they got they did draft uh, Braxton Berrios from Miami. Uh, you know, he looks like the the Edelman slash West Walker prototype. They still have Chris Hogan. They have Philip Dorsett. So uh, Jordan Matthews is still there. And they even signed Cordero Patterson. And, of course, you got Gronk and, and um, so Tom Brady's going to be okay. I mean, Edelman's a huge part of is a success in the last several years uh, with the Patriots, but you know, you gotta do the time here and just, um, you know, maybe you'll get it reduced, but I don't see that happen. I see the full four games going down for him. Yeah, the only player in recent history who's kind of had their suspension completely overturned was Richard Sherman when uh, he got uh, found tested positive, but in his appeal, 
he actually got his whole suspension overturned. So he's the only person in like recent history who's actually won their appeal. So it doesn't really look good for Edelman in this case, but you know, at least he has the right to do it and we'll see what comes out of it going forward. In other NFL news, Tara Owens says that he will not attend the NFL hall of fame ceremony. He says that he would rather attend it with uh, friends and family who really appreciated his career um, so I guess he's going to have like a barbecue or something at his house or on a lake somewhere to celebrate his career. And, uh, in the history, the first person in the history of the NFL, uh, hall of fame that was alive, who will not make an acceptance speech. Yeah, I, I don't blame Terrell Owens to be honest. I mean, you know, he, he's been perceived as this villain for many years and he's never had any any um, performance enhancing issues, never had any other drug kind of issues, never had any domestic violence issues. Everybody just, you know, villainized him for, you know, his on-field antics, but, you know, that's part of the game. I mean, and so for the frosty relationship with the media who literally controls the Hall of Fame inductions and for the numbers that he put up for many years and wasn't even on the first ballot and it took him several tries to get in. I don't blame T.O. for feeling the way he feels. I don't feel. See, that's that's the only hole in the argument I have because Art Monk was the leader in receptions and consecutive games with the reception when he retired, and it still took him, like, 15 years to get in the Hall of Fame. So I don't okay. want to hear that. I, I, I respect that, but <laughs> I respect that, but, you know, it's still, you know, for the – he didn't have a contentious relationship with the media, and, and you know, T.O. played on some pretty good teams. Um, you know, I'm not saying that Armand did not. I mean, Armand did win. So he did win a few Super Bowls. So, but I don't. I still stand by the fact that you know he had the numbers and he still should have been. He should have been in, and you know our monk should have been in at the point he should have been in. So I'll, I'll give you that, but I want to stand by the fact that now you know I think the media had a bias against Terrell Owens, and that was one of the reasons why you know he was. It's taking him this long, and that's why he's burned the hall. Now, I'll give you the, I'll grant you total. If you want to, if he wants to come out and say, hey, you know, me and the media weren't the best of friends, and the media, you know, is basically, you know, this Hall of Fame is run by the media, like you said, and that was his reason, then I'll rock with you 100%. But just because you had to wait two years, two, two turns on the ballot, and that's your main concern, man, get out of here. We got people who've been waiting. 25 years to get in this thing and they don't hold that you know time against it it's like hey it's better that i'm in than never but i mean he deserves to be there he's going to be in there so i don't know what they do i guess that gives um brian erlacher randy moss and uh and uh ray lewis uh 10 more minutes each I mean, on their ray speeches lewis i guess talk for three days anyway so <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure he'll be just fine with that i mean I mean, but uh, 15,000 yards, almost 16,000 yards, uh, 153 touchdowns. I mean, he had he had some he had some awesome numbers, and I mean, 
this was something that I just felt I felt like you know the the way the the legendary Super Bowl game. I mean, playing off a very very tender ankle and and you know there was a lot of great moments. You know there were a lot of fun moments and. You know, I respect I respect the decision. You know, maybe it could have been handled differently. I mean, but you know, Terrell Owens has always been and will always be one of those enigmatic players. So, uh, and that's right. you know how he feels is how he feels, and he's going to stand by whether you or I care or not. <laughs> I think this may be uh, more of a. Um... kind of a I don't know what the media kind of feels about the wide receiver position because it seems like over the few years that the wide receiver position they've had to kind of wait their turn like you know Chris Carter didn't get it in his first chance that he was on the ballot he had to wait a couple of times you know Randy Moss got his on the first time but I think it's because the class the way the class was structured this year it kind of you know there was nobody you know that could kind of bump him out but I think that the wide receiver position in general, I think the media views that a little bit differently than they view like a running back. It seems like running backs who come up like, uh, you know, LaDainian Tomlinson first time on it, bam, he's right in, you know. So maybe that maybe it's the position and maybe not necessarily. Uh, well, in Tigio's case, of course, the media, but maybe the position of wide receiver in the Hall of Fame voters eyes is one of these ones that's like, uh eh, you know, you can maybe wait a turn or two if there's a defensive lineman or a quarterback or a running back who maybe, you know, in, in the same class as you are eligible at for the Hall of Fame at the same time. So we'll kind of continue to watch that for like next year's class that comes up. This is Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLorente. I'm here with my co-host, the Libra Icon. You can find us each and every week right here on CSPN.us. So we're going to shift over to the NHL. And it finally happened. The great eight, Alexander Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals. They win four straight games to win their first ever Stanley Cup, defeating the Las Vegas Golden Knights in five games. Um, a couple of blowouts in the middle there in an all-time classic. Uh, closeout game, uh, game five in the Stanley Cup. Man, that was one of the most exciting, fast skating, hard hitting uh, Stanley Cup games I've watched in a long, long time. And um, the Capitals were down a goal going into the third period. Uh, they, Devontae Pelly Smith tied it up with a just going to be a Washington Capitals iconic goal, kind of falling down on a breakaway. And then they got the game winner, and the Capitals finally they did it, did, man. Uh, you know, congratulations to, you know, the. DC, DC area fans, and you know we clown DC sports for many, many years, and you know just the vindication of the of a team winning. I mean, the last title was the Redskins Super Bowl in Washington in '92, uh, I believe. So twenty-six years, years. So, and. And so, with that being said, you know, uh, it took 14 years for Alex Ovechkin, one of the most likable faces in the NHL. Uh, he's a lot more likable than Sidney Crosby. And, and it was something special because you can kind of see that the, win, the last three Stanley Cup winners have come from 
the Crosby Ovechkin Penguins Capitals rivalry, and so it was something special. And you knew, you kind of had a feeling once they got over that Pittsburgh roadblock, something special was going to happen. It was kind of reminiscent of uh, Michael Jordan on the basketball court and the Chicago Bulls getting past that roadblock that was the Detroit Pistons, and and so once they got past that roadblock that in Pittsburgh, it was something special. I mean, the two shutouts and the comebacks against the Tampa Bay Lightning, and then, you know, we alluded to the home ice problems they had all postseason long, and they go out and blow the Vegas Golden Knights at home, you know, looking really, really juiced. I think once, once this team got to the Stanley Cup final, they really turned it on. And I think Vegas just was not ready for it. And, you know, as much flack as I have given Vegas, and you know, my my uh, bitterness over the Shark Series, you know, you got to give this team a lot of credit as well. I mean, this very first season, they rallied around the, the tragic events that happened in uh, Las Vegas with the uh, with the uh, mass shooting there, uh, retired. You know, putting up all the victims' names on the banner, then the elaborate presentations, and this team put up 109 points, won the Western Conference title, took the first game by storm, and this team isn't going anywhere. I think this team is going to be around for a long time. Uh, fortunately, the same expansion rules will apply for the 32nd team, whether it's Seattle or. Portland or Quebec City, whoever it may be. I want to go back to the Capitals, though. Uh, you know, first time in franchise history, 44 years. Uh, this team has been in existence, and this they they got it done. And and just seeing all the all the fans, all the all the fans on the my timeline who are Capitals fans who have been waiting for this moment, who've endured all the capital disappointments that they've been through. It's a vindication for them, so congratulations to them. And also, the last thing I want to say about it is that uh, Devonta Smith-Kelly, iconic, you're right, that was an iconic goal. Uh, it's definitely going to be in the lore of the Capitals forever. And Lars Eller, he scored the game-winning goal in the Capitals' first win of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and he scored the game-winning goal in the last game of the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, bookending, you know, the postseason with game-winning goals is pretty, pretty awesome. And, yeah, I can't wait for next season. And it's going to be fun. I mean, just seeing non-hockey fans be engaged in the game was really, really special. Kind of warmed my heart, too. Uh, Alex Ovechkin, he won the Conn Smythe Trophy as the most valuable player of the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, just putting a bow on one of the best playoff runs uh, that he's had in his remarkable career. He's had so many, you know, great runs and individual seasons and things like that. But, you know, just good for him to finally, you know, get all that hardware and, and be one of the main reasons why they were successful this year because he's taken such a beating, um, you know, couple of years ago there was talks about maybe trading him and just you know blowing it up and starting it over and and you know but they stuck with Ovechkin and and he stuck with them and it finally paid off in the Stanley Cup so absolutely congrats to the Capitals absolutely man. and 
and I was one of those saying, you know, maybe it's time for uh, Alexander Ovechkin to finally go to a different team. You know, maybe it's time he goes do that pursuit for a Stanley Cup because it's just every year they never got past the second round. And, and even the years they won the President's Trophy, which a trophy I would not want to win anyway, um, three President's Trophies and three second-round exits each year. And now you got the Smythe. I, I would have probably given it to Braden Holpe uh, because it is – I mean, Ovechkin had a great Stanley Cup final. He had a great playoff run. But they would not be where they are if it wasn't for Braden Holpe. Uh, Barry Trotz made the switch on goaltender in the Columbus series. And Holpe never looked back. He had those two shutouts back-to-back in game six and seven when the Capitals season was on the line twice. And he was, and he had the save of the Stanley Cup final when, you know, he made that save to prevent Vegas from tying the game. And that could have, that really was a turning point in the series for me. Right, right. So we're going to shift over to the NBA and on our last episode, they had just concluded game one. JR not knowing the score, the epic meltdown. Uh, did you see the video of what happened when I they did. went to the bench after I that? Did. And when LeBron found out that they did have a timeout, but they, they for some reason didn't call it from the bench. And then uh, it was almost like Thanos right. snapped his fingers on him. And you could just right. see him dissipate away. Yeah, that was a very... Very, very disappointing. Um, that's on Ty Lue. I mean, you got to know the situation. You, it, I don't care if you got to run on to the court and get the referee's attention. I mean, I know Oracle's loud, so you might not be able to hear what's going on. I would have, you know, if I know I have a timeout and I'm in that situation, I'm doing anything I can to get this get this timeout so I could draw up a play and drop a play and try to get the win. And then, of course, uh, that meltdown, uh, that meltdown, of course, led to the 17-7 run in overtime, and then LeBron punched it on board in the locker room after the game. Supposedly, is what they said. Uh, Steph Curry erupted for a finals record nine made three-pointers as the Warriors won game two, 122-103. This was a very interesting game where LeBron was being um, not aggressive as passive isn't the word. He was he was trying to get everybody else involved, and it looked like he was kind of saving his energy to try to, to keep the game somewhat close, close enough where maybe he could get like one final push in the fourth quarter and take it over, and maybe they could you know win by a handful of points. But Steph Curry beat him to the punch, and I think he was like either four for five or five for five from threes. Yeah. In the fourth quarter, ladder. Yeah, so um, that was the game, the story of game two. Basically, Steph with a record, like I said, nine made three pointers, eclipsing uh, the eight that he shared with um, Ray Allen. So, in game three, Kevin Durant scores a Finals career record, or excuse me, career high for himself, forty three points as he led the Warriors to the Game 3 victory, 110-102. to uh, This was the game that the uh, Cavs had the, their best chance to win. They had four guys in double figures. 
Uh, Rodney Hood, J.R. Smith actually showed up in this game. Kevin Love was fantastic. Uh, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson were off the mark completely. But the Warriors somehow got six players in double figures. And they shot a few more free throws. They didn't turn the ball over a lot. And surprisingly, they stayed even with Cleveland at the three-point line as both teams made nine. And Kevin Durant was the, you know, the deciding factor as he went for 43 and LeBron went for 33. Yeah, that was, uh, that was definitely a great game. That was the Cavs' best chance. And they were in control most of that game. But uh, when Durant hit those two cold-blooded threes and the dust there, I just knew after that, that was like the Slim Reaper taking all the souls right there. And the Warriors, they claimed their third championship in four years as they defeated the Cavs 108-85 to in Game 4 to complete the sweep. Steph Curry scored 37 points in the closeout game. Kevin Durant had his first ever playoff triple-double, and he won his second Finals MVP award. So the closeout game, um, the Warriors started fast, and then the Cavs kind of closed up and got it tied and even took the lead there in the second quarter they played really good in the second quarter for about halfway through the second quarter and then all of a sudden the Warriors just turned it on and uh, got the lead uh, going into halftime and then they did their third quarter thing and uh, with about four minutes left in the fourth quarter Tyron Lue threw in the towel he took LeBron James out of the game LeBron you know dapped up everybody before he left the court and uh, you know basically the celebration was on from there so congratulations to the Warriors for winning their third title in four years in a sweep. And uh, this pretty much ends the feud with the Cavs, I think. Yeah, it's going to be a lot to decide, of course. Uh, I do see it being the end of an era in Cleveland. Uh, congratulations to the Warriors uh, for their third title in four years. And, you know, it's the Warriors world, and we're just living in it at this point. This team has they're loaded from the very top their ownership group is loaded they have the money to pay everybody and pay the luxury tax and pay the the repeater tax so they want to keep going they will keep going and that's what that's the biggest difference between the warriors and everybody else and starts at the top um, you know with ownership uh, lake up and goober and then it goes down to GM Bob Myers, Steve Kerr, and the players. And and then and then there was um And it, it appears to me at just from the outside looking in that they have a bunch of guys that value winning over getting paid. So when it comes again to for the contract things, they may take the less money just to keep the thing together. Just cause hey, you know why go somewhere else, get paid, but not win or end up in a system where I don't really fit? Because, I mean, if you look at Draymond Green, I mean, he, he can't go right. play everywhere. You know what I mean? He, he doesn't, you know, you have to have a, a very special system for Draymond Green to be valuable for your team. So, it you know, it doesn't really make sense for him to go chase money elsewhere. He has, when he has a good thing there. But I did, I did see, though, right. I did see um, Bleacher Report earlier this morning that David West was alluding to some uh, drama within the team. 
And even Steve Kerr said this was uh, the most challenging of the four years he's been there as the head coach. I mean, we don't know what the drama is. I mean, only only the players and the coaches know in that organization. But as I definitely want to see if the if more is revealed about that in the in the uh, later on in the summer. And you know, as great and every team has, I mean, as great as winning ha- can be, you know, people, you do this for a long time, and the winning is good, but, you know, there's also internal strife that sometimes can be repaired. I mean, you put it aside for the sake of the game, for the sake of the dynasty, but, you know, as you know, with most dynasties, there, there's always going to be somebody that's going to do or want to do their own thing. Look at Kyrie Irving. I mean, he won, a, he won the title for Cleveland, literally, and, you know, the next year he wanted out. So so um, it's going to be very interesting. I, I really, you know, they do on the surface, you know, look slightly, you know, they're going to keep it going. They take less money to be a winner. Uh, Kevin Durant has already said he's staying. And so... You know, why keep the – why, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But there might be some things that could be ir, irreconcilable. That's what I'm looking for. I think that um, you have to give a big tip of the cap to Steve Kerr for his adjustment after game one where Cleveland really uh, dominated that game on the offensive boards. And he made an adjustment to start JaVale McGee from game two going forward. And JaVale McGee was a big, big, big part of this uh, sweep. I mean, I think he averaged 10 points, you know, a game. He was big on defense, um, you know, block shots, you know, at least keeping LeBron having to, you know, have a threat that somebody in the lane could block his shots, couldn't just get free runs down into the paint. Um, And also Jordan Bell as well in the last two games. He really uh, showed up and, you know, helped play LeBron, uh, you know, give Iguodala some rest on LeBron. And uh, he also, you know, chipped in with some double figure scoring games as well. So, you know, just, you know, some, uh, I know we get caught up with the starting five and everything, but uh, they ha- they had some help off the bench as well. Right, they did. And and also, shout out to Dick Young. He's got more rings than Charles Barkley now. So, that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> I went from getting snitched on to putting a ring on. <laughs> Nick Young. Um, as you alluded to uh, earlier, a uh, report surfaced after the game uh, that LeBron played the last three games with a serious hand injury after punching a blackboard due to the game one loss. I guess that's a lot better than having a serious hand injury because he punched right. J.R. Smith in the face. So, um, but uh, apparently, um, According to LeBron, is damn near a broken hand. That was his quote at the press uh, post game press conference, where he had it wrapped up and it was in a soft cast and everything. So apparently, they were playing these uh, tricks where whenever LeBron was in public or anything like that, practices or shoot arounds, there was nothing on his hand. And then you know, once he was in private, they were wrapping it up, icing it, and he's doing all types of uh, physical therapy to you know get the swelling out of it and, and try to strengthen it. So um, that may lead to the reasons why he seemed a little bit less aggressive in the last three games where he wasn't, you know, seemed to be driving and, and shooting and trying to take the game over as much as we, you right. know, probably thought he would. Yeah. 
And it probably didn't help. That I think that was the same hand that he put down when he got fouled at one time, and he was like holding his hand yeah. in the in the second half there. Yeah, and yeah, so and and it's kind of crazy because no matter what, no matter what he says or what he does at this point with the hand, uh, people are going to just uh, scrutinize it regardless. And you know, you know, it's like oh, oh yeah. so now he had a broken hand. Da, 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 da. You know, you well, you know. Injuries have kind of been like a big part of this rivalry. You know, you got all the Cleveland fans that go, well, if Kevin Love wouldn't have got hurt against Boston and Kyrie wouldn't have got hurt in that first game of the finals, you know, they wouldn't have even won that first championship. And then you got the Golden State fans that are like, well, if Steph wasn't playing on a bad knee and basically got tired and his knee was, you know, not was like 75%, you guys wouldn't have won the one that y'all won. So, you know, it's it's a part of it. You know, I think this – this shows that after four years, the Warriors are the superior team, uh, three to one. At least, you know, we, you know, the only thing that would have been great about the Cavaliers winning at the, at this point would have been, uh, evening of a 2 2, then, you know, you had to kind of want to see a rubber, a rubber match at this point, but, uh, with, they already did what they, needs to do at this point. Right. So, with the end of the NBA playoffs and NBA finals, that puts us right into the Summer of LeBron free agent edition. So, the big questions, you know, are are starting to swirl. Where will he land? So, of course, the first choice is Houston, where they have his, you know, banana boat buddy, Chris Paul there. Um, they have James Harden already in place. And then, you know, they add LeBron. That would be their quote-unquote big three. And then I guess they would try to keep P.J. Tucker to be kind of their Draymond Green stretch four. And then Capella, I guess, would be their starting center. But as all teams experience, when you get LeBron a free agency, you have to gut your bench. So that means that Eric Gordon probably won't be there anymore. Uh, Ryan Anderson definitely won't be there anymore. Gerald, uh, Gerald Green probably would be a casualty of this. So, you know, it's, it's a big addition, but it comes with a lot of subtraction. Yeah. And that's going to be the biggest thing for, for LeBron because, you know, at this point in his career, it's all about maximizing his earnings. So if he does not get, if he does not get the, uh, and they also got to figure out the Rockets. Also got to figure out um, Chris Paul negotiations too. So because you already got a two hundred billion dollar contract to James Harden, you got to re-sign Chris Paul, which they don't like to do. Then yeah, you got to figure out who is essentially good enough to uh, who's good enough to. Keep around, like keep around exactly. for the, the insulary parts. Yeah, and you know, if you got three guys who are really good at their positions, uh, probably the top tier in their positions, and um, you know, you got to find ways to complement that at this point. And I think Daryl Morey, he's very smart. Uh, He's a smart guy. I think he can and will get the job done. And at this point, we just have to see how they do in the draft. And then 
a week after that, you know, be on pins and needles and watch what happens as LeBron's uh, decision part three comes into play. The thing that's appealing, I think, for LeBron at this point going to Houston would be that he knows that he will be going to a, you know, set the team up first point guard. He wouldn't have to worry about running the team, getting them into their sets, getting everybody involved. All he would have to do is just go finish the basketball, put it in the hoop. He wouldn't have to worry about a whole lot of things. I think at this stage in his career, I think that he would value that a lot. And I thought, I think he thought that's what Kyrie was going to be for him. But then he figured, oh, this dude is like another, a smaller version of me <laughs> without the passing. So he had to, you know, rechange his game up to kind of make that work for the rest of the team to be involved when Kyrie was there. So I think he's kind of getting to the point now where he wants and kind of needs to play with a traditional yeah. point guard. Um, next on the list would be Philly. Uh they had some developments in their front office this week as Brian Colangelo resigned as the 76ers GM after that Twitter scandal. Um, he tried to say that it was his wife out here, you know, being reckless in the name of uh, in the name of her expression. But it cost him his job. But uh, David Griffin, the former Cavs GM, is uh, reportedly to be the front runner for uh, the position. So that would instantly give Philly another inroad. Uh, into the LeBron sweepstakes because, as we know, David Griffin and LeBron are very tight. Um, now, for Philly to make this happen, they would probably have to give up a lot less proven talent since they have so many young players on their team. But that might mean that folks would be out of there um, if if that happened. But maybe not because he's still on that rookie deal. He's not getting paid a lot. But a guy like maybe uh, J.J. Reddick, they need to keep him around because you got to have a shooter if you're going to get LeBron on your team. So maybe a guy like Covington would be kind of the odd man out right. going forward there. So um, what do you think about the Philly? Did LeBron coming to Philly? Um, what do you think how, how that would stack up? My thing is, um, you know, he would have – he would be able to play off the ball. Ben Simmons would be able to be the guy bringing it up the court. Um, maybe LeBron could show Ben Simmons how to shoot a three-pointer. Um, I see, I can see Philly being very, very close, being in the sweepstakes. I mean, a young team, a young, uh, core, uh, on the squad. And then, but the thing is now for me with Philadelphia is if they end up they end up getting LeBron, they will, are they going to delay the process? Are they going to start trusting the process right there? It's going to take some time to adjust because, you know, you're not playing with any ordinary teammate. You're playing with LeBron James. Right. And, uh, you know, LeBron has been a very uh, great teammate, but you know, the aura that he carries is is uh, everything to a lot of a lot of him. So I think Philly is a good destination. I think Philly would be a team that's pretty uh that would be even more stacked and and we would just have to wait and see what happens with that. 
All right. Next on my list, the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, the Los Angeles Lakers have been willing and dealing the past couple of years to have two max uh, contract slots available for this summer. So they put themselves in a position to theoretically go out here and sign Paul George and LeBron to go with um, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball. Um, the very interesting person for the Lakers would be Julius Randle. Um, he's kind of uh, played himself into kind of being like Draymond Green light where he's become, you know, kind of a playmaker, rebounder, defend kind of multiple position guys. And he really made a huge step in the second half of this season. So uh, how do you feel the chances that the Lakers could maybe swoop in and add LeBron and Paul George? It's, it's a high possibility. I, I don't want it to happen personally, but it's a high possibility. But I, I have also seen Laker fans get optimistic about so many things and it just hasn't panned out in their favor. Take, for instance, Russell Westbrook. I mean, a lot of people thought, hey, Russell's from L.A. I want to I wanna go and pick, try to pick him up. And then, oh, yeah. sorry. Uh, okay. And then, no, go ahead, uh, go ahead. once, um, once uh, I mean, Paul George, though, I think it's a different story. I think he's been wanting to go to L.A. for over a year now. And so... Uh, I don't see him staying in Oklahoma City. I don't know why Lakers fans would probably. I mean, I do know why, obviously, but um, after that horrible performance against Utah, that just kind of showed the ugly side of what you may be getting, and and that was that was probably a mistake on that part. But I think they got the chance to do it. Whether it actually gets done, I don't know. Because I think one thing that LeBron's also looking at is he's got kids. I mean, Bronny is going to be a teenager. Um, you know, Bryce is getting older. He's got a little girl now. It was pretty easy to let the first two go around. And you remember when he came back to Cleveland, the happiest person on the planet when he announced that was his wife. So, because his wife loves where, where they're from. She's acting through and through, and and um, so it's one of those things. It's a high possibility the Lakers could get them, but you know you have to kind of really convince, you know, the family factor. You know, you got to try to pull that away from LeBron if you effectively pull that away from him, and uh, you have a good ownership and a good chance to win the title, according to Brian Windhorst of ESPN or a fan side, I should say, uh, that is what he's looking for primarily. Uh, the ability to win a title and the ownership. Now we'll talk about the other team that shares the Staples Center. They put themselves in a position by trading away Blake Griffin to the um, Pistons and, and having Chris Paul shipped over to the Rockets, where the Clippers are in the same position as the Lakers. They have enough space to get two max contracts. Do you think the Clippers have a chance? I think the Clippers do have a chance. I think they have a they have the cat space to do it. Uh, they Even though DeAndre Jordan wants out, reportedly, of the Clippers organization, uh, even though he had his chance with the marriage, but they, but they allowed his teammates to hold him hostage to Resign, but another story, another day. Um, it is a very interesting concept. I mean, 
And one thing that is appealing about it is the the water. So, like, L.A. is a good spot, whether it's the Lakers or whether it's the Clippers. I I think if it goes to L.A., I would rather see them in a Clipper uniform than a Laker uniform. I don't think it will happen. I think it's a long, a longer shot for the Clippers to get them. I think the Lakers have the better chance to sign, but we shall see. And then um, we're going to wrap this conversation up, and we're going to talk about two wild cards. We're going to talk about the Boston Celtics. Now, we know that Danny Ainge is not above wheeling and dealing, uh, reshaping um, his team, even if, even if they've had uh, a successful playoff run. Uh, he did it after last year's playoffs, uh, getting rid of Isaiah Thomas. Um, it's rumored that, you know, with all the, the young players that they have, nobody is really on a large contract. And with the multiple first-round draft picks they still own, that they could do some wheeling and dealing, and you could have Boston and LeBron become a man. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a very very interesting offseason for the Celtics, especially considering the successes of Jason Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier. I think also one of the things about this uh, this uh, team is that they have been ravaged by injuries as well. So the mild thing, my take on this is, do you really have the resources and can you put, can you put good talent around them? And they have that. In Boston, they have, I don't know, if Kyrie Irving. I mean, I heard the report of him wanting to go to New York, possibly. I mean, he is from West Orange. Yeah, don't, and I know he probably wouldn't want to be reunited with LeBron, but that definitely would not be his call, whether he likes it or not. That's Danny Ainge's call. And Danny Ainge will do what it takes, whether it's a trade, whether it's a free agency move. He'll uh, do what it takes, and he's got – He's got picks on picks on picks to dish out if you know teams want to take it. Right, he's um, mastered the Bill Belichick style of just having a whole bunch of draft picks, and then when it comes to the off season, you just be standing there like, "Hey, I got these three draft picks out here. If y'all want them, who you who, who y'all want to give up for some draft picks?" Right. Yeah, exactly. You know? And so, so they have they have the draft picks. They have. And, uh, you know, especially if it's a team that's on a rebuild and, you know, is desiring that draft pick, then, you know, they know what to do. And it's pretty, it's pretty interesting to see as well. Right. And then the last place that I'm going to throw out there, the New Orleans Pelicans. It's been reported that if they could get rid of Boogie, with Anthony Davis being under that new contract, that they actually would have the space to then sign LeBron and add him to uh, the brow and try to do something down there. But that might be like the longest of all the shots that I've mentioned so far of the teams. But what, how does that intrigue your thoughts, uh, LeBron well, playing with Anthony Davis? It doesn't. And I will tell you why. Because the, as great of a postseason around the the Pels had is just that 
sufficient enough to go out and do a uh, uh, go out and do a a uh, move like this. So I think if you sign LeBron to a, to a near max deal or a max deal, then who's going to be the supporting cast? Like. Uh, you're gonna have to ship off a lot of guys who are key contributors to the team without trying to, you know, give up on give up on a playoff spot. So I think I think Cousins walks. I think they got to find a way to keep Rondo, and even then. New Orleans is too small of a market. I don't see this team, you know, spending the cash and spending the money to go into the luxury tax and or go into the uh, that uh, higher tax threshold for the for a couple of years. I don't see that. All right, so. We will definitely uh, keep you guys abreast of this situation. I'm sure it will be dominating uh, the sports world and the sports talk for the next uh, three weeks. I think it's going to be what it's two more. It's like one more week to the draft, and then that free agency. It's either it's usually July 1st, but since it's on a Sunday, I think it's going to be that Monday, July 2nd. That is like the new business year of the NBA, and then that's when all the free agency stuff can start. So. Um, a couple more weeks away from that, and uh, then it'll be, you know, the wild, wild west again as far as players moving and draft picks and things like that. The last few uh, NBA off-seasons have been tremendous as far as, you know, movement and signings and contract numbers. So I expect it to keep right. up uh, this season. Agreed, Dan. This off-season. And, uh, you know, we'll definitely discuss all the moves and be on track of it online as well, definitely. Before we uh, give our final thoughts and shout outs, I just want to remind you that you can support Know the Score and the CSPN by supporting our sponsors. Support and go shop at Amazon.com. You got one week to get your dad something cool for Father's Day. Help the podcast out. Go to CSPN.us. Click on the menu tab. Scroll down to where it says uh, keep our podcast free. Click on that very first link. That's Amazon. Go into Amazon, buy your dad multiple things for Father's Day, show him that you love him, and also show love to your favorite podcasts here on the CSPN. So CSPN.us and Amazon.com, do it today. So Dwayne, at this point, man, turn it over to you for your uh, final thoughts and uh, if anything you want to touch on that we didn't. Uh, uh, shout out to show. our co-host Jesse and Nobias, and shout out to the CSPN. Much love to all of our podcast family, uh, Connor and family indeed. Um, my final thought would be in the middle of my uh, Mets depression, I'm learning, I'm learning that it's okay. You know, we do not have a huge void. I got a little too earlier. We got the World Cup starting next uh, Wednesday. So, uh, no, it's today. Saturday, next Thursday. Next Thursday on Fox, the World Cup uh, begins in Russia. And, you know, Brazil's looking to win it all yet again. I cannot wait to see the upsets, the stars who are there. And it'll be interesting to see 
who has next and who will be sorry. So that's my final thought. Uh, get ready for the World Cup. Uh, I also want to thank everybody for, you know, giving the glorious sports of hockey a chance. I was able to explain a couple things to a few followers, and that's really cool. So. All right. I'd like to give a shout out to Dwayne, of course, for joining me each and every week. Give a shout out to Nabias and Jesse, our other two co-hosts. Like, like uh, Dwayne said, give a shout out to everybody here on the CSPN, all the podcasters who uh, give up their time to produce the content each and every week. Thank you. We couldn't do it without you guys. Um, I don't really have a final thought as far as a, a you know something we didn't touch on. I'll just say, you know, congratulations to um, you know all the champions uh, that we crowned this week. Um, congrats to the district for finally. Uh, breaking the curse and maybe this will finally you know break the clouds and the nationals can you know have a great postseason and you know the football team can be better than they've been and uh, just give a shout out to the golden state warriors um you know having all the expectations that they do have on them and you know um and then living up to them and in some cases exceeding them um give a tip of the cap to them and their whole organization and coaching staff for you know what they've done the last three out of four years it's been truly remarkable um you know, they built a super team and they've been super with their team. So uh, congratulations to the champions. And uh, as amigos say, spray the champagne, y'all. So on that note, for the Libra icon, I'm Don DeLorente. And, and now let's not, you know let's the not get too ahead on the Nationals. We still have the three guarantees in life. That's Texas and the Nationals first round exit. <laughs> uh, that's the Libra icon for all you national fans <laughs> and uh, we will definitely talk to you guys next week thank you guys for listening